Today in Science from Wired. This episode is brought to you by ShipStation. You know, some things take a lot of work, like sending little robots to far off distant planets. And just as that's challenging, so too is running a successful e-commerce business, especially when there's so much to do. So I want to introduce you all to ShipStation. Now, I love using ShipStation because of its easy-to-use dashboard, which makes managing orders and printing labels a breeze and super smooth. Oh, and the customer service is just out of this world. It's exactly what you need to help grow your business. Sign up for your free 60-day trial at ShipStation.com slash technews. That's ShipStation.com slash technews. When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Today in Science from Wired. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from TD Ameritrade. Meet their newest trading platform, Thinkorswim Web. It has all the essential tools and strategies in a streamlined interface. No download necessary. Thinkorswim Web. Trading streamlined. Visit tdameritrade.com slash thinkorswimweb to get started. Those orange western skies and the science of light. Sure, it was wildfire smoke that made parts of California and Oregon change hue. But inside that smoke was alchemy, the chemistry and physics of molecules and wavelengths, by Adam Rogers. The sky above San Francisco was the color of television tuned to the president. To be fair, I stole that punchline from Twitter and nerdlet snark about Donald Trump's apparent choice in his alleged makeup won't fix climate change and the worst North American fire season on record. Nearly 100 fires are burning across the West, driven by lightning sieges and dry wind blasting through drought-parched, beetle-eaten forest and chaparral. So far, flames have consumed 3.4 million acres, including entire towns and more than a thousand homes. But none of that explains what happened to the sky. Residents of California's Bay Area didn't think it was funny to wake up Wednesday morning to a sunless sky the color of the Golden Gate Bridge. Streetlights didn't turn off. The massive Sutro broadcast antenna poked through the haze like a mechatronic eye of Sauron, and an angry magma glow suffused everything, like being caught in just one stripe of a fabulous sunset. Amid despondent half-jokes about plagues of darkness, twilight at noon, and a city cosplaying Blade Runner 2049, Westerners wondered, no, but really, why is this guy that color? The reason for the orange and for the wan yellows and the sickly grays that followed is a combination of atmospheric chemistry and the physics of teeny tiny things. More proximately, the cause was, duh, fires. 
Many are so big and so hot that they create pyrocumulonimbus clouds or fire thunderstorms that send soot and smoke all the way up the atmospheric column 50,000 feet into the stratosphere. The heat also generated unusual winds that carried smoke from the Sierra Nevadas to the coast. All that gunk literally blocked out the sun, at least some of the sun. The devilish hue was in the details. I've never seen anything like that. I've been to polluted cities, but you never get that deep orange ominous color, says Sanaz Vahidnia, a physicist at NASA Ames Research Center who studies aerosols and light scattering. Usually in polluted cities, it's this mucky color, more like the sepia color I'm seeing now, maybe a little dimmer. It was really fascinating. First, the chemistry side. Smoke is what's left after something burns, reduced to particles. That might be hydrocarbon molecules or soot, which is just straight-up black carbon. Now, the thing to remember here is that even though unfiltered noontime sunlight looks roughly whitish or whitish-yellow, it actually contains a roughly equal amount of every wavelength of light, from the reddish end of the visible spectrum to the bluish, all mixed up in a subatomic pointillist spray. And even though you're likely to associate carbon-heavy things like oil or coal with the color black, absorbing light from across the visible spectrum, carbon atoms actually have a preference. They absorb and also scatter more longer-wavelength red hues than shorter-wavelength blues. The soot particles are absorbing the blue light from the sun and we don't see it, says Mark Marley, a researcher at NASA's Ames Research Center who studies the atmospheres of planets outside Earth's solar system. Those particles absorbed or scattered back the blue, but let the more dorish red-orange through. That smoke wasn't the only layer in the sky. A marine layer of moist air slid underneath it, San Francisco's famous Carl the Fog creeping in like steamed milk beneath the foam of a third-wave latte. Here's where some physics creeps in as well. Unlike carbon, water vapor typically absorbs more on the red-orange side of the visible spectrum. But those water molecules, just two hydrogen and an oxygen, are also bigger than most particles in smoke. And in the physics of light scattering, size matters. Down at the scale of a molecule or two, some hundreds of nanometers, light might refract and change direction around a particle or bounce off it and head back the way it came depending on its wavelength. Which is to say, different sized particles interact differently with different colors of light. In fog, those are bigger particles, so they scatter at all wavelengths, Vahidnia says. Normally, that layer would have been a diffuse gray. Bay Area Standard, in other words. But on Wednesday, the smoke acted like a filter, so Carl the Fog couldn't play the blues. You get a filter on top of the blanket of the marine layer, and that marine layer is multiply scattering whatever is coming to it, Vahidnia says. It's not coming directionally. It was an orange haze all over the place. That's why the orange light seemed so omnipresent, so there. Some folks said that the effect was like being on Mars, but the red light there, if there is any, comes from rusty dust blown into the thin atmosphere. Aerosolized Martian regolith, if you're a planetary scientist or a marooned astronaut. But, well, actually, downtown Frisco, as no one is supposed to call it, probably looked more like Saturn's moon Titan. Its thick atmosphere is full of blue-scattering hydrocarbons. The earthly airborne orange event was less the Martian, more the expanse. It was also just plain gross. Something about the light was pallid, an ill wind. Vahidnia thinks that gloomy lack of intensity might have been because of the sheer height of the smoke cloud, the stratospheric column of particles the light had to pass through before reaching the ground. That's what put the light into the twilight zone. 
the thickness of the column. That will play a role in dimming. If it's pretty high and pretty thick, then it'll play a role in how subdued the light is, she says. It won't be vivid. Like if you're looking at a sunset, the light has to go through more. It has this longer path, so it has more chances to scatter. So why so orange? Smoke gave the specific hue. The ubiquity came from diffusion by the marine layer, and the wan desaturation was probably from the height of the cloud. The result? A photonic pachinko game that stopped at the light receptors of the human retina. That's a whole other thing. It wasn't the end of the world, but it makes sense that it looked like it. After all, these intense fires were driven by drought and climate change. Unless people stop coughing so much carbon into the atmosphere, well, sometimes things look apocalyptic because they are. Like what you learned? Subscribe everywhere you listen to podcasts and get more science news at wired.com science. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.